0: Hey everybody! I'm Dan Lobby, and this is the Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We're going to do a little special edition here today. You're going to get to hear Mary Kay Cabot's interview with Dan Orlovsky. Of course, of course, Orlovsky is the former NFL quarterback who has uh, turned into a really excellent uh, analyst, film breakdown guy. Uh, he, he's somebody that that you love to follow on Twitter and, and hear his thoughts uh, on quarterbacks, especially. And he has a lot of thoughts on Baker Mayfield. So Mary Kay was able to talk to him. Last week, she wrote a story about it, and now we're going to play the interview for you as well. We're going to get right to that. Uh, A little behind the curtain, I actually uh, sort of recorded a, a kind of long rant to lead this off, and I'm going to be honest with you, I went back and listened to it, and I got bored listening to myself talk. So I'm going to spare you that. We're going to get straight to the interview, but first, I do want to tell you about Football Insider. We're going to tell you about that off the top. Uh, Tuesdays, we do texter Tuesdays. So you want to get involved in that because we're going to ask for our texters to send us questions here on Monday so we can record that and get that up Tuesday morning. Uh, what is football insider? It's more than that, right? Mary Kay, me, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams. We'll text you throughout the day uh, with analysis, thoughts on the Browns. Maybe if we've interviewed somebody for a story, we'll give you kind of the inside scoop on that, uh, as well. It's a great way to interact with us. You text with us, we're able to text with you right back. It cuts through all that clutter of social media. We also have a newsletter every single morning that gets texted out to you, and it only goes to our texter. So you're going to get something either completely exclusive or something way before anybody else gets to see it on Cleveland.com. So you can sign up for a 14-day free trial that you can cancel anytime with one text, but I don't think you're going to want to cancel. We've seen this thing grow. It's $3.99 a month after that, so that's less than $0.14 a day. Uh, I, was a, I was an English major at Kent State, but even I know 14 cents a day is not very much money. Uh, I don't know how that applies to what I majored in at Kent State. Anyway, <laughs> sign up for Football Insider. Head to cleveland.com browns. Click on the box. It's on the right side of the page. It'll give you all the info you need. Or if you just want to text 216-208-3965, you can do that to start your 14-day free trial. Again, that's 216 208 Okay, you've heard enough of me. Here's Mary Kay's interview with Dan Orlovsky.
1: I saw your remarks, so what what led you to to come to that conclusion that you think Baker will be able to rebound this year? Well, you know, first of all, you can't, I think it's
2: convenient for everybody right now with Baker to forget 2018 and just focus on 2019. And I don't know, that's not fair, first of all. It's also unrealistic and it's lazy. Um, You know, when, when you look at the 2018 season and kind of how everything transpired with with that, one of the things that became obvious was Baker was really aggressive and really accurate with the football. Like, NFL accurate with the football. And um,
0: there was things that, when Freddie took over as the play caller, you know, became really
2: obvious within their offense that was healthy for Baker. Protection, play action, you know, giving him the secure pocket to allow for the football to be pushed down the field. Also handling the, the blitz. And they just really got away from that last year. And I always kind of use this analogy, you know, because people go, well, this quarterback's a system quarterback or whatnot. And I, I am of the belief that every quarterback is a system quarterback in some capacity. But I always kind of use this analogy. Um, you know, Tiger Woods, I'm a big golf fan. Tiger Woods can step on the first tee at Augusta National, and he's going to play good in that tournament, no matter what, no matter if he's – number one ranked player in the world or the number 500 ranked player in the world coming off just because it fits his eye there's a comfort level that he has and and what's going on at that golf course and that's really the challenge for every play caller with their quarterback is how do I get my quarterback to feel like I can play good in this offense no matter what and I feel like Stefanski is going to be the right fit and perfect fit for Baker when it comes to that. Uh, if you look at Baker as a player, he is a play-action passing quarterback. He is a—he is not a drop-back quarterback. He is a quarterback. Do you have to, you know, make sure that you create throwing lanes when uh, with uh, or for? He is a player that it's more—you either spread people out completely and give him easy completions, or not easy completions, but completions where they're matchup-driven. Or you go play action and have an extra body in initially for protection. And so, um, you know, if you look at the, if you look at the five offenses that dominated or kind of ma- were married to the play action pass offense last year that that Stefanski's bringing over, it was Cousins, Goff, Garoppolo, Tannehill. Rodgers, if you look at those five guys that kind of, you know, they predominantly ran this offensive scheme that Levansky's bringing over, they were like 119 and 40 as starting quarterbacks last year. They threw for like 140 touchdowns and 40 interceptions. They completed 67% of their passes. Their QBR was like, they, the, uh, the offense is built for quarterbacks to play well and then when you have a talented player at the position that sees it best and people on the outside that's why i expect baker to have a really big year
1: yeah and my goodness and when you look at uh at now what he's got around him the you know the two new tackles you know obj and jarvis coming off of their surgeries and they should be renewed uh adding in Austin Hooper and Harrison Bryant and, you know, in the tight ends and you still got Nick Chubb and I mean, how could you go wrong? Right?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, but here's the thing is, and it's important for me to be honest. I thought he was going to have a big year last year. And I, I was outspoken about that. I really did. I expected them to be able to play spread out football and teams not be able to match up. And a couple of things that I realized where I kind of miss saw the situation one that that really exposed an offensive line that was average at best, and then it exposed a quarterback that doesn't excel in that. Is he okay in it at times? But he does not excel in that at the NFL level. Two, the Injoku injury was massive because it took away a, a chess piece, and so the matchup problems never really became the matchup problems anymore. And so, but they still consistently played drop back football and not play action pass football. And so I thought that he would play well last year, but what you, what you realize is, you know, players, it takes time to figure out exactly what the player is and isn't and what he can't and can do and what you shouldn't expose him to. And so I think that's what last year was. Certainly for my case, when it comes to Baker and, and it seems to be the organizational's case, the organization's case as well as realizing, okay, this kid's really good at this stuff. It's, you know, the Baltimore Ravens are an outstanding blueprint for any coach right now because they're taking all these things that their quarterback is great at You go, we're just going to do a ton of that. And um, that's what really good coaching is. And so, yeah, the, the two new tackles are going to f- certainly be upgrades at what were flaws of that offensive football team. And Hooper now being able to put the two tight ends on the field and Hooper being really good with uh, feel as a tight end, is great as well. But the big thing is that they can they can basically every down, they can now do exactly what their quarterback is most comfortable at, and that's your play-action game. And also, you know, I, I did a video of this the other day. It's, you know, to try to put it into words, um, when you play drop-back football, meaning no, no play-fake football, you know, the pocket starts at about 18 feet wide, about six yards. And all it does on a quarterback is, you know, it's like a python. It just constricts. It just gets squeezed down by those two defensive end rushing at angles to the quarterback's shoulders. And so the, the, the it, think of like an accordion shrinking. It just shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. And, shrinks. and a kid for a guy with six feet, yes, that is going to be hard to see. Duh. And that's why he left the pocket so much and went to his right. And now when you play the play-action game that kind of goes with the stretch-run game, Think of it as the opposite thing. It starts at six yards wide, but then it'll expand to eight, nine, ten yards wide because the way the play-action scheme makes these offensive linemen go side-to-side. And now you're creating throwing lanes for guys who may struggle to see in the drop-back game. And so I think you're going to see a guy – that is way more confident standing in the pocket pocket and not leaving the pocket when he doesn't have to. And when he's that and aggressive with the football, he's super accurate. So that's another reason why, with the people around him in this game, I think it'll be so beneficial.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's odd, too, because uh, just from an analytics standpoint, uh, his numbers were outstanding in the play-action game even last year, yet they very rarely used it for him. So it was kind of puzzling you know well that's
2: that's why you know i'm sure you know the social media world and when you say something negative about a player you know people want to call you the worst person in the history of the world and then when you say something positive about a player people want to call you the dumbest person in the world and that's why you know you get so many people and sometimes they're bronze fans and sometimes they're not being like yeah what about 2019 well you know if if I told you, hey, go do your job. But here's the thing: if you know, like, if, if you're a salesperson and you are really good at sales, but I tell you at your company, nope, you're going to handle the, you know, the, the bookkeeping. You're going to be like, well, why are you having me do this? Well, just do it, and then your performance is going to fall, and you're going to go, well, I'm not, a, I'm not a bookkeeper. I'm not, I'm not a numbers person. I'm a salesperson. I'm going to go, well, I'm sorry, you just stink at it. You know, like that's the thing is. When you ask the guy to do stuff that his play is telling you, I'm not comfortable with this, I really like this stuff, and you refuse to do that, that I was on television all, all season last year, adamant. They're not doing what he's good at. They're hurting him as in, in his performance. They're handcuffing him. And that's what I try to get people to understand, fans to understand, is think about what you do well at your job. Now imagine your boss going, nope, we're going to make you do this. And you go, but boss, I'm not good at that. You hired me to do this. And the boss going, I don't care. You're going to do this. At the end of the day, you got to try and suck it up and do it. But your performance is not going to be as good as it can be because it's not, it's not your wheelhouse. And so um, that, that, that was a, a main sticking point for me last season
1: now as i look over and i've been thinking about this for a while actually uh you know when you talk about the the cousins the Goffs, the rogers the Garoppolo's, and and these guys you know excelling in in the play action game and the statistics you know that you cited in terms of the win loss and the touchdowns and all that kind of stuff so when and how are defenses you know going to beat this and and catch up to that yeah
2: well i mean you can make the case that it started a little bit in the 2018 Super Bowl, you know, with what New England did to the Rams and put six guys on the line of scrimmage. That was really smart. And, uh, you know, so it's it's certainly um, – it is certainly – I don't want to say caught up, but this offensive scheme,
1: the foundational aspect of it has been around for 30 years. Right. Um,
2: I, I kind of liken it to this. I, you can't really catch up to schemes. I mean, you just got to – Continue to get really good players and coach them um, up to, uh, up against the weaknesses of the defense and, and the strengths of the offense and how they're going about it. I, here's the thing with these schemes that good coaches take and kind of um, build upon. I, my, the analogy is this: I have two of them really. Every guy owns a navy suit. You're, you're just generic navy suit, and that's what this offense is. It's a it's a run based. That is a navy suit. And you could take two guys and stand them next to each other that look very similar. And one guy is going to have the navy suit with the black shoes and black socks and a white shirt and red tie. And then the guy next to him is going to have 15 different pairs of shoes that he can choose from, and 20 different pairs of socks that he can choose from, and six different belts that he could put on, and a bunch of different shirt colors that he can change, and all these different ties and pocket squares. And they're going to look really different. And the thing is, that's how these coaches are taking this offense and kind of evolving it and growing it is using the shifts and the motions and the jet sweeps in the space. A lot of the plays are very similar. They're just dressing them up with different pairs of shoes, different color socks to make it look know sexier to make it look different and you could put these offenses sometimes up you know in mirror images against each other and the play is the same it just looks totally different one offense to the other because the way it's designed um and kind of that that's my analogy of how you know these coaches offensively are staying ahead of the, the defensive coaches in some ways and then also you know space and tempo become a big part if you remember the pitcher greg maddox um yep You know, Greg, these offenses are overwhelming. You know, it's not this overpowering offense. It's just always changing one little thing of the tempo. You know, sometimes they get to the huddle and break the huddle and get to the line of scrimmage and snap it right away. And then they do the next play and they have the same type of urgency to the line of scrimmage and they take five seconds to snap it. And then the next play, they huddle and they walk to the line of scrimmage and take 15. I mean, these tempo changes that, you know, these offenses allow you to be a part of, because of the huddle game um, and the way a lot of these coaches are taught and brought up, uh, I, it's just really hard for defenses. Unless you're dominant along the line of scrimmage, it's hard for them to, you know, catch up with.
1: Yeah, so it's 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 going to be uh, probably a while before the, uh, you know, before the defensive geniuses sort of shut. Not not that they will ever quite shut them down, but it seems like uh, there's more and more where that came from at this point still. You know? yeah I mean at the end of the day
2: you know when you are as an offensive football team you know it's it's really who can become the offensive football team when you're talking about offense and defense like what happens is if you're running the football there's only so I mean math math plays a part in football bigger than people think there's eleven guys and if I'm running the football relatively consistently well. There's only two things that you can do. You either allocate pressure, means that you have to blitz me to try and slow down that run, or you allocate numbers, and that means you have less people to defend against the pass. And defensive players, I've always said this, defensive players, since once they start playing football, you ever hear defensive coaches, you've been around football a long time, one of the first things every defensive coach will say is, we have to stop the run. Mm -hmm. And these defensive players hear that from eight years old, stop the run, stop the run, stop the run. They've got 15 years of training of hearing stop the run. And so, you know, if you run the football well or you make it look like you're running the football well, these guys are just going to chase the run and it's going to create these big passes that are there for the offense. And so um, it's a challenge for defenses if you are running the football well. It's a challenge for defenses, even if you're not. I've always
1: said, you know, the Redskins
2: back in the day with Kirk and the Texans back in the day with Shabby and the Broncos back in the day with John Elway and the Falcons with Matt Ryan. And it's more the illusion of the run game than (laughs) than just being the run game. As long as you make the defense think you're running the football – difficult
1: yeah and then in in the case of the Browns then you have a guy like uh Kareem Hunt where you know he can do so many things and you can uh you know split him out or you know whatever play him in the slot I mean they're not going to know I mean it looks like you're in whatever 22 personnel and Mm -hmm. and then you're not so um that's going to help too right yeah
2: I mean I'm an 11 personnel fan if I've got two absolute freaks on the outside and a dominant offensive line You know, like, I I like 11 personnel in that capacity. then Because then defense is, you know, like, when I was with Calvin, that was something that we did. Or when I was with the Colts and we had Reggie and Pierre Garcon in our offensive line was pretty solid. Um, If I don't have a monster and then a good offensive line, I want to play with as many different personnel as possible. Mm -hmm. I want to play with 11, 12, 13, 20, 21. I want to have, you know, defenses. Because, again, it's all about who can become on the offensive, mindset-wise. Defense is one. You know, good defenses call, call their defense like an offensive play caller. And um, it, it's, as, as long as they're not feeling like they're in control, which is part of the personnel change, and who's who and where do you match up, that's that's the ideal setting for an offensive play caller. How many different ways can I present the same thing to that? That goes back to the, the suit analogy.
1: So the uncanny accuracy that we all saw in Baker Mayfield in 2018, which, I mean, I watched it in practice every day in addition to the games, and it was a sight to behold, really. Uh, yeah. the, the accuracy, that pinpoint accuracy, you expect to see that come back in spades in 2020, right?
2: 100%. 100%. You know, I've always said this. Uh, I can't say that. The last three or four years since I've gotten to this world, I've said this. Everybody in the NFL is accurate. Everybody. It's the NFL. There's 70 of them. Um, very few, you know, you've got 10 to 15 guys that are NFL accurate. That It's a four-inch by four-inch box. And that was all over Baker's tape in 2018. Now, the big thing was that they, once the, the change was made, they protected him and they allowed him to be aggressive. Once quarterbacks are aggressive with the football and they play reactionary, that's more when those unique, accurate guys show up rather than, you know, scripted, oh, I've got to do this with the football. You know, like, so um, I expect him to to kind of, you know, have the, the really big-time NFL top-10 accuracy back in his game. Absolutely. Now, th- because of this game fit, and I just – Players become more or less confident with what they're doing and who's around them. It's just, it's just how athletics work, sports work, and I think Baker's sitting there going to feel very comfortable with what they're doing.
1: So, would you expect him to be amongst the top ten uh, when all is said and done this season?
2: Yeah, I would. I would, ex- I, I would expect him to have a top
1: ten season. Okay. When we're talking completion percentage,
2: when we're talking yards per attempt, we're talking yards, you know, touchdowns are always, you know, you can get a season where you have 10 throws to go inside the three-yard line, and then they run it in. So, you, you know, that's a very, uh, you catch luck, you catch bad luck sometimes with that. But, yeah, I mean, I think his passer efficiency, his is QBR, all those metric things that sometimes I believe in, sometimes I don't type thing. But he's... I have said, this. he's going to have a monster season. I'm feeling confident
0: now. And our thanks to Dan Orlovsky for joining Mary Kate Cabot for that interview. Uh, thanks to you for listening. I'm Dan Lobby, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.